got one at the stumps there might have been an outside edge on it but it doesn't matter the contest is done now australia win they go 2-0 up in the ashes welcome to the unplayable podcast brought to you by Qantas spirit of australia and australia have taken a 2-0 lead in the 2023 ashes series after a thrilling 43 run victory against England and Ben Stokes today threatened to take it away as we've seen once before against Australia but it just wasn't meant to be today. Louis Cameron is with me as always and well can't even get the words out it has been a fantastic day of cricket once again. It's been an amazing test series it's been yeah another these days kind of just slowly escalate to the point where you think nothing could kind of top what happened the previous day and here we are at the end of a test where we've seen some incredible batting. We've seen hundreds from Ben Stokes, a hundred from Steve Smith, some of the best batting you'll see, especially from, you know, you wouldn't have thought that you could top Steve Smith's innings, but Stokes did today. Um, and then it ended in a rather nasty note, really. It was a it was a kind of a, a sad end to what was, you know, a really fantastic test and an unusual uh, finish to the second test where we've got one team 2 nil up in the series. I wouldn't say they've clearly outplayed England throughout this series, but um, that's the position they're in. Let's run through the scores very quickly. England began the day needing 257 runs to win with only six wickets, but for a good portion of day five, it felt like England were a chance to steal the victory. Uh, Carey took a good catch to get rid of Duckett for 83 after a good start by England, and he was then involved again when Besto was run out or more accurately stumped uh, for 10, but I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, the England team and the Lord's crowd were a little bit riled up after that, uh, and Ben Stokes uh, found his groove, launching sixes at will, mostly to the southern side of the ground, including three in a row to go from 84 to 100 of Cameron Green. That was very good to watch, wasn't it? But then, unfortunately, as just as he and Stuart Broad had put on a 100-run partnership, Stokes fell, and it all ended pretty quickly after that for England. The end result, 43 runs. And, um, well, where do we begin? Because there's also some stuff off the field that we should get to as well. Yeah, and maybe that ties into slightly the moment of the day. It's probably actually the, the anti-moment of the day. So maybe we can talk about that, um, uh, uh, you know, after we've kind of talked about it. Well, we should start with Ben Stokes because yeah. what he did after the very, very controversial Bairstow dismissal, which we'll talk about in a bit, was simply incredible. It looked like he got asked in the press conference whether it triggered him, it, you know, fired him up. And I think it did fire him up, but he wasn't letting on that it did. And he just kind of went into this zone that no other batter can seem to get to. He can. There's no other batter in world cricket who can just elevate into this higher plane like that when his team needs him to. Like, yeah, there are better cricketers in the world. There are probably even better cricketers in this game. But when he gets into that mood that he gets into, he's almost – it just looks like he's not going to get out. And the degree of difficulty of what he was doing, the sixes he was hitting, and it wasn't just mindless slogging. So we go back to England's first innings where I think they probably lost this test and you had guys – playing the hook shot at will, um, catches going everywhere and they lost, you know, a lot of their – it looked like they were going to take a first innings lead. They ended up having a deficit of what? 91, yeah. 91 runs. So that's, you know, really where the game was lost. It was mindless slogging as much as England can want to frame it how they want to. They started to believe their own baseball hype, I believe, and they started to – they thought that – um, that they can do, you know, that they can just almost take the mickey out of test cricket a bit. Stokes never does that. He never bats like that. He was very measured in how he started this innings. He's been very measured in how he starts every innings. But uh, particularly once it, when he had Bairstow with the crease, he was batting very normally. 
um, you know, occasional flashes of aggression. But as soon as Besto got out, he knew, right, well, I've only got the tail left. I've got quite a long tail. I'm going to pick my moments here and try and hit um, especially uh, balls to that southern side, as you mentioned. For whatever reason, it doesn't look much shorter for us, that square boundary, but just maybe because of the slope or the momentum going in that direction, that was the side he picked and he was trying to hit sixes at will there. And he was there were five blokes on that fence trying to catch him uh, and he just launched six after six uh, over them. So, But when it was kind of coming from the other end and Australia were digging it in and um, you know having the exact same tactics against him, he wasn't. He was blocking it. Yeah. He was trying to think about how he could get two. So it was just genius batting to finish with nine sixes, 155 runs. If he'd had a little bit more support than just Ben Duckett, you look through that scorecard and no one else made 20. So you know that's that's you know what you, you can't really do that in a in a run chase. So extraordinary innings. I liked your point about the control because even though it seemed like to us that every ball was going for six in that partnership with Broad after the Bairstow wicket, he scored 93 off 88. So just over a runner ball, maybe not as quick as you would think from the naked eye. And as you said, he was leaving a lot too. Uh, Ricky Ponting said on Sky Commentary that balls above your head, you can't control them if you're going to play a shot at them. And he seemed to be taking that um, to heart because anything out of his sort of zone he was leaving or blocking or letting go and then if it was just in that right arc he was going for it and Cameron Green copped the brunt of it in the uh, 56th over when he hit three in a row off him to go yeah from 84 to 100. It's such an interesting dilemma I think with how you know they I think that him and McCullum are very big on not telling the other batters what to do and Mm. um, you know to empower them and tell them to take the aggressive option I think it's lifted some of the players who weren't quite as good before those two took over you look at Duckett's a much better player than what he was I mean he was barely playing international cricket Crawley's a better player under these guys Pope's a better player even Root is is a slightly better player than than what he was but um, you know, the way Stokes doesn't bat like those guys, like especially Brooke and Crawley and Duckett. Like Duckett talks about never leaving a ball and, you know, that kind of being a bit funny or whatever. Well, hang on, you're a test opener. Like, yeah, you can still strike at 80, 90, 100, but occasionally you might have to leave a ball. Like yeah. that's – you can't completely reinvent how tis, test cricket is played. Um, he's batted tremendously well in this test and there's still – you know, he could be anything. You look at him bat and he's got a fantastic technique. I really like the look of him, but – um, to think that oh, it's almost like this um, this streak that he needs to keep that he yeah. never leaves the ball, um, I think is hindering him. Um, Stokes is a wonderful example for the rest of the team on on measured aggression and picking your moments because when he goes for it, boy, he goes for it, but it's not mindless slogging. So when Steve Smith um, put down a tough chance, well, not really a tough chance for Steve's standards, when Stokes was on 114 and when Stokes reached his 150 and England only needed a further 75, were you thinking that the game had tipped in England's balance at either of those two junctures? I felt like it was always in Australia's control and I thought they did a much better job uh, when you think back to Headingley in that test where they basically lost the plot a bit, like the the fielders weren't coming in later in the overs. There was a couple of times where Stokes got an easy-ish single off the fourth ball the over and when Broad was on strike at the other end and maybe you question that a little bit and maybe you're thinking the momentum's going their way but when they came back after lunch uh, the fields were a lot tighter I think and Stokes was kind of talking about um, you know how difficult it was for the fields uh, Pat Cummins has set you know this could have been a very different game as well if Nathan Lyon was there but uh, he wasn't so it just felt like Australia controlled the run rate at were able to control the run rate when they needed to even with uh, Stokes going berserk like he did. So, um, no, I never, I, you know, you'd, 
you're not nervous because you're not playing the game. But <laughs> there were moments where I thought it was edging towards England's favour. But I think uh, even though I think Winvis at one point did have England as favourites, I kind of always thought Australia were just ahead. Although it probably did get to, you know, 60 or 55 on the Louis Viz, if, if, okay. if, if you're doing that in your head. Okay, Louis Viz, let's... Yeah. Uh, well, did you? I mean, on Josh Viz, was it ever tipped in England's favour? Yeah, I, I certainly thought... That was the case. Uh, Stokes fell in control. To me, it felt difficult to see how Australia were going to get him out. And he was farming the strike, you know, well enough to only um, allow Broad to face one or two balls and over. And Broad was pretty valiant in his defence. He only faced 36 balls in two hours of play, but uh, he didn't look like getting out either until Stokes eventually departed. So uh, Josh Fizz had England just ahead (laughs) of that stage as well, but maybe we'll have to circle back to this later in the series as well. Uh, do we want to get to our moment of the day? Yeah, well, it has to be the run out, right? Or well, the stumping, I should say. Well, let, let me do the spiel and then we'll... Okay, yes, sorry, keep our friends at Qantas happy. It's the moment of the day brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, the official airline of the Australian cricket team and proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to more than 95 destinations around the globe. And let's get straight into it. Johnny Besto. It's a moment everyone's going to be talking about it. Um, it's, you know, at its heart, a, a pretty simple uh, dismissal, really. Cameron Green uh, bowled one. I think it was a slower ball. It bounced, kind of went on the bounce to Alex Carey. Johnny Bairstow, for whatever reason, wandered out of his crease, uh, maybe because he thought it was the end of the over. That's is what's been alleged. Yeah. Uh, Alex Carey didn't take a beat. He just threw it at the stumps, underarmed at the stumps, hit the stumps. It was out. That was <laughs> essentially the moment of the day. I mean, there's a lot more that we can break down around that, but um, that caused all sorts of controversy. So that is the moment of the day, purely because that's the one we'll be talking about in 10 years' time about this test, I think. Well, yeah, Australia captain Pat Cummins was asked about it post-game and he was also asked if he thought about withdrawing his appeal. So why don't we hear from him and then we'll hear from England captain Ben Stokes right after. The crowd are clearly riled here. You, you've not uh, ignored the booze, I'm sure. So I, I, I'll ask you about the Bairstow dismissal. A, how you saw it, the rationale behind it, and was there at any stage you thought you might withdraw the appeal and bring him back? Uh, yeah, I think Kerry, you know, saw it happen a few balls previous, I think three or four balls previous, and, um, you know, there's no pause. Catch it straight away, have a throw, throw the stump. So, um I thought it was totally fair play. Um, that's how the rule is. I know some people might uh, might disagree or what. Just like the catch yesterday, the rule's there. That's how I saw it. The, the flashpoint was that Johnny Bairstow dismissal. Would you have withdrawn it? Uh, look, I think the whole... I mean, taking the whole situation into consideration, I think it, the first thing that needs to be said, it is out. Um, the things that I obviously had to consider when I was out there was the fact that it was the last ball of the over. Um, I very shortly questioned the umpires whether they had called over. Um, you know, Both umpires were making the gesture towards walking to their opposite position of being umpires. Uh, does, does that make sense? Yeah, going from square leg to standing, standing to, to square leg. And, um, you know, Johnny was in his crease and then left his crease to come out and have the conversation in between overs like every batsman does. Um, I think if if I was a fielding captain at the time, I would have put a bit more, well, a lot more pressure on the umpires to to ask them what their decision was around the over, um, and then would have had to have a a real think around the the spirit of the game and would I want to potentially win a game with something like that happening? And it would be no. So Stokes, you know, I mean, that's they're very strong words from Ben Stokes. He's 
essentially saying that Australia didn't act within the spirit of the game by not withdrawing the appeal. It's a really big thing to say in a national series. And I know that, you know, he, he also then did say something like, you know, I don't want this to overshadow and I don't want to talk about it too much. That's naive if he thinks that that's not going to overshadow mm. this test. I mean, in some regards, it might be seen as sour grapes. I don't, th- I think there's an element of maybe trying to fire up his team and um, trying to create this narrative for him that, that they are, you know, coming up against the odds and they're coming up against a team that's not playing within the spirit of the game. I think it's a pretty big thing to say. Um, and, you know, Pat Cummins was very, uh, what's the word, diplomatic, I suppose, in yeah, terms of yeah. how he dealt with it. But, you know, you, when you open a can of worms like that, you've got to be prepared to deal with the, the consequences and the outcomes. So what is the spirit of cricket then in this situation? Well, it's a good question. I, I suppose if, you know, Ben Stokes essentially believes that um, the umpires had called over and that they needed, uh, that basically meant the ball was dead. I would be of the opinion I'm, you know, it's, you, you kind of, you got to look at these things objectively and yes, we, we are Australian. So maybe that's going to colour how we, we think of it. But I'd like to think even if the shoe was on the other foot, I would think if a ball, if you look at the letter of the law, it says if the uh, ball settles in the wicketkeeper's gloves or in the bowler's hands after a run out, once it's settled, that's when the ball is dead and the umpire calls over or, or time or yeah. whatever. Uh, that's when that's when you you know you can't affect a run out. That moment hadn't happened as far as I'm concerned and as far as Murray Erasmus is concerned. Um, and the Australians accepted it the previous day when Mitchell Stark's catch was given not out. I think that was certainly the right call at the time. Um, it was certainly the right call in this situation too. And it certainly wasn't the only controversial moment of the day either. Uh, the long room, uh, well, it sort of uh, was a result of, of this incident earlier in the day, wasn't it? When the players went out for lunch, there were some altercations between members and players of the Australian team. Blimey, what a morning we've had here at Laws. I've never seen anything like it at the home of cricket. The crowd were right into Australia when they were on the field. That continued as the players went through the long room. Usman Khawaja was in a discussion, shall we say, with one of the members inside the long room. He was pulled away by a teammate and a steward, David Warner. The same thing happened to him. Yeah, well, I think Pat Cummins basically said that um, he expects some members to get a tap on the shoulder to suggest their membership might get revoked, which was, you know, quite... Or at least that they'd be considered and there'd be some disciplinary action at, at some point. So they're pretty strong things for an Australian captain yeah. to suggest. They all talk about how much they love playing at, you know, the home of cricket at Lords. Um, that's a really unique thing that you get to walk through there. Yeah, so there was clearly a bit of verbals going on from the members towards the Aussie players. That's not unique and it should be pointed out that when England come to play in Australia, Australian fans are pretty yes. abusive <laughs> towards England players. Let's not let's not make any bones about that. This is, if you want to say one thing's not on, then we've got to say the other thing's not on. The difference here is that you are literally face-to-face. You're as close as we are now, which is about a metre away. You know, that's a privilege for those members to have. So, you know, with that privilege comes some responsibility and I think that's what Pat Pat Cummins was saying and it's what the MCC has already acknowledged and has said that they're not about that. And I think it's a, um, you know, regardless of whether you'd, you'd say that those members have the right to do that, is it a good look for the game? Is it, you know, these guys are the custodians of the laws of cricket, the kind of the custodians of the spirit of cricket as well, I'd say. Is that how they'd like their club to be reflected? I would suggest probably not. So... Um, it was a bit of an ugly incident, but it's you know they, the Australians are going to keep copying it um, for the rest of the series, and they need to find a way of dealing with it. The other side of this is the allegation that there was maybe some physical contact. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, 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 and that's you know completely not on if if that's what what happened. So 
um, hopefully, you know, the, the rest of the series doesn't pan out like that. There's no other ground in the world that has that kind of level of access between fans and players, right? So hopefully it doesn't kind of get that close again. So next we're on to Leeds and that test match starts in just a few days, actually, Thursday night Australian time. So make sure you're tuning in to cricket.com.au for all the latest news and updates on that. England have also named their squad for that match and they've made no real changes. Uh, Rehan Ahmed leaves the squad, but they've brought in no addition. So they're backing their squad to come back from 2-0 down. And Ben Stokes also said after the game that uh, he's very confident his team can do that. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to, to swallow, sort of getting so close and, you know, being involved in another fantastic game was awesome. Um, you know, we're 2-0 we're down, but, you know, we've got three games left and, you know, we've won series 3-0 uh, against New Zealand, 3-0 against Pakistan, so we know we can do it. So no changes from England and I think on the Australian side it'll be quite similar. The word is that, you know, maybe one of the, the spare batters might go home but no extra spinners will come into the squad. So that seems to be what's likely to happen from the Australian end. We know that, I mean, obviously Nathan Lyon is going to be the one that, that goes out. I think, you know, that's been confirmed that he's out of this series. Um, it looks very likely that Todd Murphy will play in Headingley. So that's an exciting one and... Um, Look forward to seeing that happen. What a what a, what an awesome time for a for a young twenty two year old to come into the team. Doesn't get much better than that, for Todd Murphy. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, Spirit of Australia. Mm-hmm.